Hello and welcome to the commentary for lesson 381. This is Isaiah chapters 15 and 16. I think in the reading I said it was just 15, but yeah, there's two chapters there. So this was a depressing reading, wasn't it? I mean, if you're Moab, certainly it's depressing. Um, it's This is a message about Moab from Isaiah. Verse 1 says, this message came to me concerning Moab. And it's a pretty heavy message, you know. Sometimes you got to feel for these prophets because they are definitely the bearer of bad news. So I'm pretty sure the whole, the saying, don't shoot the messenger, uh, has biblical ties. I don't know. Because I'm sure that they didn't want to hear this news. And I'm sure he didn't want to deliver it, but it was necessary. So I want to read from my study Bible a little bit about Moab just to refresh us, it says, uh, Moab was east of the Dead Sea. The Moabites were descendants of Lot through his incestuous relationship with his older daughter. Remember that sick, twisted story? It was in Genesis 19, verses 31 through 37, if you want to look. So that whole nation of people was born through that incestuous relationship. So you know that these are people that are not the special people of Israel. Um, and they have always been the enemy of Israel, of God's special people. So they oppressed Israel. They invaded their land. We saw that in Judges chapter 3. They fought against Saul. They fought against David. And now God is going to punish Moab for treating Israel so harshly. Um, and it goes into great detail, of course. It says, in one night, the town of Ayr will be leveled. It goes through all the towns and the cities of the land. And the city of Kir or Kerr will be destroyed. Uh, your people will go to their temple in Debon to mourn. They will go to their sacred shrines to weep. They will fail, or they will wail for the fate of Nebo and Mediba. Now, those are towns north of Debon. And it says that the people will be shaving their heads in sorrow and cutting off their beards. They will be wearing burlap. And these are all, of course, signs and symbols of mourning and shame. So this is, it's going through detail of the cities that will be affected and exactly how bad it's going to be. Verse 4 says, the people of Heshbon and Elate, how do you say it? Iliela will cry out. Their voices will be heard as far away as Jay has. Now, that may not sound like a big deal, but it's over 30 kilometers away. So it just gives you an idea of just how far, not just how far the cry will be heard, but that just gives us an idea of the enormity of the situation and the, um, the level of despair of the people. The bravest warriors of Moab will cry out in utter terror. They will be helpless with fear. Now, verse 5 says, My heart weeps for Moab. Now, I was kind of wondering, is this Isaiah saying his heart weeps, or is it God's heart that's weeping? But if you look at verse 9, it says, The stream near Debon runs, run runs red with blood, but I... Am still not finished with Debon. So 
Elijah obviously doesn't have the power to destroy Debon. That's God. Only God has the power to do that. So this is God talking. So back up to verse five, my heart weeps for Moab. I love that even though God does have to punish this, this nation, his heart weeps for the people there, even though they're enemies of Israel. That's not nothing, right? And then it goes into how basically all of the waters are going to dry up. Their, their harvests are going to be destroyed. They won't have the grapes to crush um, for the wine. They just goes into the detail of all of the ways that the destruction of Debon and all those areas in Moab, the kind of devastation that it will cause. Um, because it says the stream near Debon runs red with blood, um, that would have contaminated the water. I don't know if that's the contaminated water, um, if that's why the fields had no more harvest, or if it was just a matter of if the water's contaminated, then the people no longer can live there, so they move away, and then obviously they're not tending to the fields if they're not there. So either way, it doesn't matter really exactly how God did that, destroyed the fields, because it doesn't really tell us. It just says that they were destroyed, which would be a byproduct of the things that are going on, obviously. Um, and then it goes to chapter 16. It says, send lambs from Selah as tribute to the ruler of the land. So lambs, this is saying basically that Moab was... First of all, Moab, you should know, was known for their sheep, okay? They raised sheep, and they were to send lambs, which meant that they would pay tax, okay? A tribute means a tax to Israel, okay? So they're going from being the oppressors of Israel to now they're going to be um, paying tax to Israel, which kind of signifies that there's a change in tide going here, a change in... Um, I guess, change in the hierarchy, you could say. The women of Moab, verse 2, are like the homeless, are like homeless birds at the shallow crossing of the Arnon River. Help us, they cry. Defend us against our enemies. We're talking about the, the Assyrians are the enemies of Moab. Let me read a little note about the Assyrians. Um, it says that Moab was attacked by the Assyrians and Moabite refugees would flee to Selah which lay in the country of Edom to the south. That is Israel territory. Remember, it's one of the, um, one of the territories after the time of Moses, right? One of the 12 tribes, the Edomites. Okay, desperate Moabites seeking Judah's protection. So Edom is in the land of Judah. So the Moabites are seeking Judah's protection. They would send a tribute of lambs to Jerusalem, and Jerusalem would be a safe refuge for a while. Isaiah advised Judah, this is still from my study Bible, to accept these refugees as a sign of compassion during the enemy's time of devastation. So, God was allowing some to flee to the land of Judah, however, only for a time. And then I love... Verses 4 and 5 says, When oppression and destruction have ended and enemy raiders have disappeared, then God will establish one of David's descendants as king. Of course, he's talking about Jesus here. He will rule 
with mercy and truth. He will always do what is just and be eager to do what is right. Of course, he is the only man who ever lived that always did what was right. Verse 6, we have heard about proud Moab, about its pride and arrogance and rage. So there again you have the reason that this is all happening. Um, They are the enemy of Israel, and they've had pride and arrogance and rage. And uh, God had some unfinished business to tend to. So all that boasting disappears because now the entire land weeps. And then verse 9 says, So I weep for Jazer and the vineyards of Sibma. This is again saying God is sad for Jazer, right? Jazer is going to be one of the towns in Moab that will be destroyed. My tears will flow for Heshbon and Eliela. Um, And then it gets into the really depressing talk when it says there are no more shouts of joy over the summer fruits and harvest. Gone now is the gladness, gone the joy of harvest. There will be no singing in the vineyards, no more happy shouts. Uh, Yeah, fun time is over in Moab, for sure. Um, And then again, verse 11 lets us know. I mean, there's several references to how this, this isn't an oh happy day for God. This isn't vengeful for, I mean, it is, but he's sad. God is just like a parent here who's disciplining his children. He has to punish because he is holy and just. But somehow it's reassuring to know that at least it upsets him. He doesn't want to see suffering. And although Moab were descendants of Lot in that incestuous, disgusting relationship, they ultimately also descended from Adam and Eve. So these are God's people too, in a sense. He's upset. My heart's cry for Moab is like a lament on the harp. The people of Moab will worship at their pagan shrines, but it will do them no good. They will cry to the gods of their temples, but no one will be able to save them. Remember, these people worshipped pagan gods. So he's causing the destruction. It has to be done. He's upset and sad that he has to do it. And then they're going to the wrong gods and crying for help. Well, of course, those gods aren't going to hear them because those gods aren't real. Those are false gods. Verse 13, the Lord has already said these things about Moab in the past. But now the Lord says within three years, counting each day, the glory of Moab will be ended. From its great population, only a few of its people will be left alive. That is so interesting because it's really the only time that God gives an actual human timeline. It seems like that part, verse 13, was kind of put in to the scripture as an afterthought or clarification. I don't know. Usually that's done in the Chronicles. Um, But it's just interesting. Um, And I want to read one more thing from my study Bible. This is a good way to close. It says, When the people of Moab experienced God's wrath, they sought their own idols and gods. Nothing happened because there was no one there to save them. We may seek our own ways of escaping daily troubles, whether it be work, friends, pleasure, or even some human-made religious idea. But our only hope lies in God, the only one who can hear and help us. So let us not forget, 
not to put our faith and trust in the wrong things, but rely on God and God alone. So that's really it um, for this lesson. I hope you all have a great day and I will talk to you soon.